Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. Welcome to the successful... Oh, it's my turn? (laughs) (laughs) Fashion designer podcast. Very good. (laughs) This is uh, So Mark, Heidi's husband, and we're celebrating the 100th episode And just doing a little bit of a special episode where I'm going to talk to my wife about some of the work that you know her so well for and some of the travels that she's done. And I'm going to just facilitate this conversation a little bit because I also know the history and I've been there the whole time. So where do you want to start the conversation? Yeah, well, I'd like to start kind of specifically with um, a sort of inspirational theme that I have felt has been threaded through my career in many ways and is ultimately threaded through your career or your fashion business or your whatever. Um, And it's this concept or idea of start doing something, start doing anything. And that is a step in the right direction towards achieving your goals, your dreams, whatever it is within the fashion industry. Or put another way that uh, often you have to take nine missteps to figure out the right one or maybe what you thought was the right thing ended up being the wrong thing and the lesson you learned is is valuable to reaching your goal. But uh, Or I guess another way of saying it would be don't count on that first move being the perfect one that gets you all the way. Yeah. Because it never, I mean, it really never is. You just, there's so many variables, you don't know what's going to happen. And so how I kind of want to talk about this is um, a little bit of like the history of the podcast. So it's episode 100, here we are, very exciting. But like, we didn't just get here because magically one day we woke up and said, let's do a podcast and we created it. There's another snap (laughs) and poof, it was like perfect, right? It was this perfect thing. Um, there's been a lot of steps along the way, some of which were great, some of which were terrible, but each thing led to the next thing. And it was like to get to this next thing, to get to the podcast, to get to this whole SFD business, um, you know, really started with one thing way back, which led to, you know, my career in fashion and the all the illustrator classes and the other classes that I teach and that sort of stuff going on um, leading to the next thing. So, and with all due respect, I was there pushing you to do a podcast from from you the did. beginning. You did push. And you were um, resistant. I was resistant. That's fine. And I actually look back and I won't lie that I do have regrets about not starting the podcast earlier. Um, I don't like dwell on those because I don't really believe in dwelling on your regrets, but I am mindful and I try to use that as a lesson to look forward and think about, okay, so I was resistant to that for whatever long list of reasons and we can talk about those, but what did I learn from that that I can apply to the next thing? Um, 
I just put something out, uh, you know, we're recording this pretty close to the first of the year, the new year, 2020, and I just put something out, out talking about goals, and I was like, just get started doing something now because in a month from now, in six months from now, in a year from now, you're just going to have lost that month or that six months of that year. So just start now and do it because in a year from now, once you actually do it, chances are, this is the case with all the stuff I've ever done, I look back and I'm like, God, I wish I started that sooner. I wish I started last month or last year or five years ago. Or I wish I listened to that person who was telling me I needed to learn that thing. <laughs> I have a lot of that myself. Yeah, that's true. It took me a long time to figure out that that is actually important to know. Yeah. I mean, there's a fine line. You have to pick and choose. You can't do yeah. everything. You can't listen to everything. So I want to go through a little bit of like the backstory of how we got to the podcast um, and then how that relates to your dear listener, your fashion career, your fashion business, your fashion freelancing, whatever it is that you're trying to pursue. Um, and a lot of it is sort of backstories of how SFD got started way back, you know, from the first day in my career in the fashion industry. As well as, um, I've, I've got a story from someone who emailed me about, or messaged me on Instagram about... Um, about their job. About their job and where right. they were at and was it the right place to be and all that stuff. So I think we'll get back to that. Yeah, we'll get back to that. Yeah. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk through. Well, where do you want to start? What's the first thing on your agenda? Well, let's talk back, um, you know, we could go quickly through the backstory of... Where did this all start? So I think What is this, by the way? Because you have a lot of things I, that you do. That's true. I say this, and I'll, say, I'll kind of highlight this as the two pinnacles in my career. One being uh, working as a successful freelancer, earning upwards of six figures a year. And two, being building the successful fashion designer, SFD, uh, the business which sure. does include the podcast, is a big part of the business, um, as well as the courses and all that stuff. So how I got here, I, I'm going to say those are the two pinnacle points. Okay. Well, how did you get here? So it really started with, um, and, and people may know this, so I'll, I'll go, you know, this we won't get stuck right? too much in the weeds. Well, yeah. It started with um, me working as a job at a job as a receptionist out of college. I had like a crazy high GPA and honors and all this stuff, and I got a job as a receptionist, and it was really depressing, and I hated it. <laughs> and so I just had all this energy and passion to do something else. So I started my own fashion brand. I had no idea what I was doing. I made so many mistakes. Um, I named it Funklectic, which was a word sandwich of funky and eclectic. I think I was behind that to some degree. Maybe. Mark has been around for all of this. Yeah, we've been together for going so, on 17 years now. So he's been around for the history of this. But um, everyone wound up calling it Funkadelic and got it confused. So whatever, that doesn't matter. But it started... There were lessons learned. Lessons learned, right? There were I lessons learned. I named it. Learned. And like, instead of like thinking I have to come up with the perfect name, which I was thinking I have to come up with the perfect <clears> name, <throat> and I thought it was a perfect name, and it wasn't. And that's okay. It was perfect in some ways, but... When we finally rolled it out to the public, it was not really as good as we had thought in but private. But then I had, like, labels and hang tags and business cards you're, and a website and everything. So you like, stuck. Yeah. So it's okay. You know what? I ran with it, and I learned that lesson. But it really all started with there. And it started with 
um, clothes that I was hand making one at a time. It was not scalable. It was not, you know, if you looked at how much I could sell a product for. You were getting paid very well for your time. I know. No, all this stuff. But that's okay because what that led to and then the next thing led to and the next thing led to builds up to, you know, this like pinnacle thing, which I've said the two pinnacle things, the freelancing career and business that I was able to build for myself as well as SFD. And so, you know, that's like each thing leads to the next thing, even if it's not the perfect thing, even if it's not the right thing, even if it's the absolute wrong thing. So Funclectic was that. Um, well, it wasn't the I shouldn't wrong say thing. no, 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 no. It wasn't yeah, the wrong thing, but it sure was we... the thing that I started with. This fashion brand wasn't profitable. Um, I started out making clothes. That was not scalable or sustainable. I quickly learned that accessories were working better for my brand, and so I pivoted to that. But had I tried to, like, get to that first without learning that the clothes, at least for me, I wasn't, I didn't go into production or work with factories or anything with that fashion brand. Um, I would never have gotten to the point of learning and realizing that, oh, actually, accessories work really well, and the profit margin's higher, and this is scalable. And I took it to trade shows. We went to trade shows. We went to Philly. We went to Vegas. We started right here in Boulder, I think, was the first one. Yeah, that was a total flop. Speaking of flops... There's all these fashion, air quote, fashion markets. That was like more like a farmer's market, and I sold like nothing all day. Actually, I'll jump in, and she, I'll probably see my wife cringe, but I, um, I have a background in sales. I'm, I'm a pretty outgoing person, especially in a position like that, and the same was true when we went to like the Philadelphia and some others. And this first one up in Boulder, I remember, like we set it up, and... My a, mom went to the first one in Boulder with me. Was it? Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was the second one. Might I, have been the second one. Or it might have been a different one. Or a different day. I forget. Yeah. It, is, it is a long time ago now. And I know it was early, but I remember uh, there being like a little stool and you just sat in the back kind of with your head oh. down. As if you were like the high schooler that we hired that didn't want to be there. Totally. And I was out front. And like, it was awkward Pulling for me. Pulling people but in. I'm, I, I, I can do the conversation. I can sell it. I, I know enough. I loved it a lot. And and you you had barriers that you needed to work through yeah at that point in your life and and that was something that we were open about and yeah uh, a lot of my personality was was so outgoing that I I was able to kind of pick up pick up the weight for you you did and you really molded me on a lot of like the customer interaction and like getting out of your comfort zone and getting out of your shell and talking to people because I was BSer. I was hiding in the back <laughs> of the booth um, but beyond that my products just weren't selling. Yeah. at the beginning. And so I, I learned and I tweaked and I made different stuff and I figured out what did sell. So that was what kickstarted it all. And that is a big part of the reason that I got my first job in the industry. So there's two reasons I got my first. It's because you did something, right? That's where we're going Fashion design job. Yeah. I did something. Those two things, one happened to be that I was really good in Illustrator because I had studied graphic design. So my computer skills were super strong. Which, just by the way, that your strength in your computer skills, how that carried you through some into into this fashion, this the industry. Uh, that's a foundation for a lot of your work because that Correct. you saw that as these skills that I had, being able to operate a computer well, made you valuable, in, more so than people who had this this fashion background. A and B. It was a really big part of 
building your courses, getting out there, trying to share this knowledge and, yeah. and, and address these gaps. So it, 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 that, that right there is quite foundational. And it is very foundational. And, you know, some people could say, oh, it was luck because you happened to study graphic design and then you broke into the fashion industry. So, okay, I'll give you that. That portion that I had strong computer skills was luck because it was a product of my degree that I happened to study graphic design. But the other half of the equation is because I had done something. The brand right. was very impressed because when I came in for the interview, no, I didn't go to fashion school. Why this would was they early even, on when we first met, basically. Why would they have even given me an interview? Because it was, I could show them what I had done with my awesome brand, Funklectic. I mean, I look back at my portfolio from that job, and it's terribly embarrassing. But they were impressed because I was taking action. I was doing something. Um, fashion related. Right. So it doesn't have to be the perfect right thing, but it was something. So that led to my first job. I would never have gotten that job if you hadn't done if something. If I hadn't done something. I, I want to add if you hear any little chewy noises, we've let the dog in here. We're, with a chewy. We're sitting in a very nice sound sounding room that happens to be a nursery <laughs> in progress in progress and the dog wanted to come in and join the podcast and if we had she, tried to shut the door she would just be scratching at the door she's so. part of the family and yeah. part of the podcast yeah okay continue um so that really led to the first job and then from the first job i started seeing interns coming in well a couple of things one i realized that my computer skills were a really big reason i got set you apart really yeah and then two, as they were bringing interns and stuff in, I noticed that the interns, and they were going to a fashion program at a school here in Colorado, they didn't have computer skills. And I thought, how? And even some of the existing designers who worked there. This was probably like around 06, I think. Uh, 06, 07? 07. Because I remember we were More carpooling because I had a job close to you at that, that yeah. time. 2007. Yeah. And... Even some of the existing designers that worked there, like they could get things done in Illustrator, but it was <laughs> wonky. And so I thought, I, I remember I came, I would come home from work or we were carpooling to work and I would probably complain to you in the car. I'm like, God, yep. these people are terrible on the computer. They're so slow. They don't know how to do things. And you started saying, why don't you make some YouTube videos about it? And I was like, that's weird. Why would I yeah. do that? YouTube and social networking was just starting yeah, to YouTube take off. YouTube was a different place back in 2007. And you pushed me for a while on that. And I was I like, really oh, I don't want to. Like, I don't know what to say or I don't have anything to offer. And I was like, just do something. I think the only thing I told you for YouTube that was important was I want your audio quality to be 50% or better. Like, exactly. Well... I maybe didn't want our, it to sound like you were talking on a phone. I didn't want you to have bad audio or too much noise. Maybe our judgment back then was different because I listen to it now and it sounds rough. Well, I may, I can tell you in the context of what was going on to YouTube production-wise then, we were okay, above perhaps, the 50% percentile. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was like, what? I don't know. But like looking back, giving the advice I'm talking about now to my 2007 self... Uh, late 20s, I would have said, who cares? Just do something. It doesn't matter if the video is terrible. It doesn't matter if all these other things, right? I did finally do something, obviously. Um, if you go to my YouTube channel and look sort by date, you can find my oldest video. Scroll I've never all taken the way down. anything down. Um, 
and I put some stuff out there. And then guess what? That turned into something because it did, because I did something. Now, everything's not going to turn into something. There's a lot of things that I've done that I'm not going to list off that haven't turned into something. But We uh, all have those lists. Yeah, that was one that did. And so I thought, wow, people are watching these videos, and they really need this help. And I was getting comments, and they were liking it. And I think so, we had a vacation partially or totally paid for just off of some ad money. I did. That I, we did. We turned it on. We forgot. And then you checked one day, and there was hundreds of dollars. One day I logged in, and there was like $300 in my ad account from YouTube. And I was like, what? I'm making money off of this? Well, that's, that was a validating experience for you. Yeah, it was. And I was like, people are actually watching these videos. I mean, wow. the comments and the counts and the views and the subscribers, all that added. But the money... Money says you're on to something. Like, yeah. You can get a lot of likes and you can get a lot of emotion, but yeah. you know, we got to pay bills here. So <laughs> that led to creating a workshop, and I didn't know how to do it, and I didn't know where to teach it or how much to price it or anything, and I started teaching it here in person in Denver. And that was probably, I'd say, oh, 10-ish. I know where you did your first shops. I know when the relate. I it was a, through a relationship I, that I had. That's a hard question to answer when I did. Yeah, my first it was shops. through the meetup groups. I don't groups think I was it was doing. quite that. I think it was a little earlier than ten. Oh nine would be the earliest. Okay. Absolutely, I can I can just tell you the time. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is ten. Because I was doing the group then. And yeah. Okay. So, anyways, dates aside. Um, that led to a. A uh, training facility in New York City reaching out to me and saying, hey, do you want to come out to New York and teach? Which is our first vacation to New York. And we went out to New York and I taught in New York. It was so fun. <laughs> um, in the meantime, I'm still working at the fashion company. Um, but kind of around a similar time, that fizzles uh, for a long list of reasons. Uh, the company essentially got sold and blah, blah, blah. It really succumbed to like how the industry works. Yeah. Everyone out there listening knows the story. The company gets sold, the company gets sold, people get let go, then there's the company closes, all this other stuff. But that then led to me thinking, okay, well, I got to figure something out. Um, I guess I'll start trying to freelance. Mm -hmm. That was a painful, floundering process. Um, It was hot and cold. Yeah, but like the first year I literally made like zero dollars. And then I kind of slowly figured things out. And that, and I took on some projects and I did a bad job, not because I did a bad job, but like I underbid things and I overworked or I just didn't know how to manage the client, but like each thing led to the next thing. And I didn't go into it thinking I have to perfectly know how to tackle this freelance project. Just like I didn't think I have to perfectly know how to make the best YouTube video or teach the best illustrator workshop. It was a matter of like getting started and doing something. You know, each one gets progressively better. Well, it builds. Uh, each yeah. experience builds on the ones before it. It's a, they're all stepping stones along the way. And so, you know, we kind of fast forward quite a bit um, to get to, you know, all of this obviously builds up to how we get to the podcast. You were freelancing for many years. I did after, freelance after for many, many, job. many years. And you had a lot of contracts and a lot of experience and it's been all over the place. Yeah. I've been there right with yeah. you. Yeah. And I, I had a very successful career as a freelancer, um, but there's a lot of things that led up to that. And then even a lot of things in my freelancing journey that like each year, each month, each project, I got better and better at. Um, and sometimes, you know, people freak out like, I don't, I'm not ready to take on my first project because I don't know how much to charge. And I'm like, who cares about how much you charge? Pick a number 
Your first do project, it. the value in your first project is about the experience from start to finish. The learning process. And you're not going to get paid enough. And you're probably going to screw yourself. So don't bite off too big. <laughs> yeah. And that's just part of the journey. So don't, you know, again, start with something. Start with anything and then refine because everything leads to something else and you get better. So, um, so that was the freelancing career. But then, you know, going back to the other sort of branch of the path is these YouTube videos lead to the in-person workshops, lead to creating the courses as online courses instead of teaching them in person um, to get them to more people because there's obviously only so many people live in Denver and New York City. Um, and that was a process in itself. I look back at some of my old recordings and they're okay and I've updated a lot of them now. But throughout that process, the f- I would say the first, I mean, everything leads to the podcast, but the first direct thing I would say is when I started doing webinars. I started doing them when we were in New York City, so it was probably 2015. Yeah, 14, 15. Probably 15. I'm going to say 2015. Yeah, and a webinar. Just explain exactly what you're talking about there. Well, I was doing live webinars, and so basically I was inviting people on my email list and on social media to come join me live, and I would teach a little Illustrator workshop. Great, because you've done a lot of different types of webinar stuff. That's why. That's I true. Okay, so what I'm talking about, you know, people coming and joining live. There's a live chat role. So I'm teaching live. I'm on video. My screen's being shared. I'm doing. I was your producer on those. I I was answering questions and you feeding were. them to you. Like it was kind of fun and sophisticated. Like we had, we had it going on. Really, we did. Mark would be in the background, kind of gathering questions and answering people. Because what I learned was that I had a lot of challenge presenting and being present live while also watching the chat roll. It, it's difficult for almost everybody. But I say that because that was one of the things that you pointed out as to what leads to the next thing, cooking digital fashion. Right. So sometimes what would happen is I'd be on this webinar and I, I, I would do great if I could follow my script and everything went as planned. But as soon as something kind of like... A weird question or something came through. Something obscure would happen and I would... Or somebody like, you know hops online all of a sudden. I would break and I would just like lose all concentration or I would you. have like this weird tunnel vision that I couldn't get out of and I would totally flub it. And so I remember when you brought that up with me, I got really defensive and I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm doing fine. And you're like, no, I think you could strengthen this muscle of like your live presentation skills. Yeah. Let me jump in re- there real quick and explain some of my thinking on that. And you know, I'm part of your support network, but I was watching the twit network, which is a tech podcasting live broadcasting network. Yeah. And I understood how they worked and you needed a producer role in those. You needed to do what you need to do. You had to be like the celebrity, the voice and everything. And you needed somebody else like an assistant. And I was a firewall for all the questions. Nope. You didn't see any questions that I didn't feed to you directly. So I knew when to feed them. I would often get a list of all the questions and then at the right point or at the end, I would send them all there or I would send you a note. And we had like a little personal like text chat between us, right. which was only me, me and you sending questions. And that was a really important learning lesson for you because you had to kind of let go a little bit and also trust in the producer. And I still have a lot of those roles today. Yeah. And I think that that, was, that helped a lot. And I'm not trying to take credit. It's just, that's evolution. It is. Um, 
And that was very important in terms of getting through a lot of those events. But something that you did point out was like, I think you, Heidi, could strengthen this muscle of your live presentation skills. And you had this idea to do something. We came up with the name afterwards, but it, it was called, I'll just say what it was called because I think it sums up really well. It was called Cooking Digital Fashion. And it was a live show that we did on YouTube. A lot of, most people We did don't, six months of this. We what, did almost six, week, I think it was weekly? Weekly. Yeah. Six months. It's still kind of on YouTube somewhere. It's I think you've hidden it. Hard to find. If, I think if you this send a direct message, those, we could give you one of those. <laughs> this is one of those ones that like, I am a little bit embarrassed of this content. That's okay. That happens. And that's okay. But like I talk about it because I was doing the webinars. Some of them were going really well, but I was flubbing it whenever I was like put on the spot or I didn't know what to say. I turned the heat up on you and we did it in the kitchen too. And you said, <laughs> let's do this thing. I think it's going to be good training for you. It'll be good. It'll be fun for your audience. It'll be really light and easy and it'll be more impromptu, which is what I needed training in. And I was like, why are we going to do this stupid thing? What's it going to lead to? I was so worried about like, what's the point of this that I was very resistant. And then finally, which comes back to the whole, you were kind of, you were kind of rigid. You couldn't deal with anything like real time sort of, you didn't have the improvisational skills with it. And this is just an experience for us. But I got so stuck in the mindset of like, but this is a, pointless thing no one's gonna watch why are we doing this blah 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 and it comes back to the theme of this conversation here of like start with something just do anything it doesn't matter and do something even though we were you know a ways into the business and sfd's making money and all this other stuff you still sometimes have to experiment and be like well okay i don't know let's do this thing so we did this thing cooking digital fashion for six months once a week live we set up cameras in our kitchen. Huge pain in the butt. Multi-camera, oh. two or three computers, all the stage lights. And we would have drinks and cocktails and we would cook and sometimes we would snack. And we would, it was live on YouTube. And you YouTube. did some sort of illustrator lessons And in sometimes there. I would do a lesson and sometimes it was just like an ask me anything session and people would show up live. I caught a pretty good buzz in a lot of them. <laughs> and we did it once a week for six months and... Um, some of them are terribly embarrassing. They were a lot of work, and yeah. it never grew. We never. Got, we had some good audience, but it was. But we never. It, it never flatlined. Grew. It flatlined very quickly. Yeah. Um, However, and most people don't even know that it ever existed. You, now you listening do. probably don't know. So after six months, I got to be very comfortable live on camera, answering questions that were thrown t- to me out of left field winging it that was something you were always uh, poor terrible with. at winging it yeah which is and my strength <laughs> strength in that muscle and when we decided and i made the announcement to shut down cooking digital fashion i said to replace this we're starting a podcast i finally which felt- had actually started years before Oh, we can get to that in a sec, yeah. <laughs> but officially. Officially. I'm, I am podcast, going to be a podcaster. And I planted finally that flag. felt comfortable and confident and ready and excited to do it. And I would not have gotten there had we not done all these little baby steps beforehand. 
Yeah. Each thing led Some to of the them were the thing. wrong moves. Some of them were experience. Some were training. Yeah. Some were testing the water out. Um, there were, there's a lot of skills that you just even to get to the podcast state. Yeah. Like, I, I'm just gonna point out a couple of things. You need to be comfortable with the equipment and talking to people and like talking to to people. This is a, a problem you have. Uh, you feel uncomfortable talking to people outside of your comfort zone. Like I'm better now. You are very good now, actually. Yeah. And I not, used to be. I used to like cower. Like if physically cower. Yeah, if you're talking to like a pattern designer, that's like not necessarily your strength. And it's like, oh, well, I don't know anything about it. It's like you don't have to know how to, anything about it necessarily. You have to know how to interview well. So we actually spent a long time breaking down some of the we really did. good interviewers, yeah. like Terry Gross and others. What's their strategy? And we listen to these and we pause them and we talk about Like there was a lot of work we that we put in. did do a lot of analysis. In. Like I was in New York. I remember that. We would listen to a couple podcasts every week together. Yeah. And I would... I have, a, I have a degree in this stuff, and I've done radio before, and I kind of had a mind. I was breaking down the interviewers. Uh, Mark Maron's also a really interesting person to kind of just analyze as an interviewer. Yeah, we did a lot of analysis. I forgot about that. Yeah. No, I remember. So the podcast did kind of start before it started, but this was like, I don't really count this. So That was your episode zero. Episode we, zero. I still released that. And people still listen to it. Um if you scroll all the way back into iTunes, it's very, very bottom of the list. Uh, I did an interview with a really, really good friend of mine, Rochelle, Rochelle Barons, who runs a brand called The Shirt. And she's so fun. She's amazing. <laughs> um, and she came to our apartment in New York City because she was living in Washington, D.C. And just for the record, she's the one that planted the seed or kicked you in the butt for us to move to New York City. Was she? Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. sitting at the bar with her and she said... That's true. Why don't you move out here? And then I was like, oh, why don't we? Yeah, we had, like, some things changed in our in our Denver life, and we're like, there's no reason why we have to stay here. Yeah. So um, she came to our apartment in New York, and we just sat on the couch, and we chatted, and I had some questions prepared and stuff. But Of course. We just did this interview, and then I released it as a two-part interview, but then that was it. It got released, and then years, years passed, off. and nothing happened. And so that I, I, I don't qualify that as like a true podcast interview because it was like a really good friend. We did it in person. I was very comfortable with her, all this other stuff. Um, but in another sense, that is absolutely a logical, probable, and expectable first step correct. For, for an endeavor, for taking a new step in a new direction. Correct, correct. So as much as it wasn't, it absolutely was. Yeah, so, you know, all of that leads us to episode 100, which is where we are right now. And actually, too... A couple years of doing this stuff steady. You know, if I look through all of the episodes, 1 through 99, they've not all been perfect. Mm-mm. I've learned things throughout the process. I've learned what type of interview style I like better. So, you know, nothing's ever perfect. It's all stepping stones and skills you learn along the way grow into the next thing. So, you know, to step back again to the... The big takeaway here is start doing something. Start doing anything. It doesn't matter if you screw it up, if it's wrong, if you fall flat on your face. It does not matter. Taking any kind of action is better than taking no action. You never know where it's going to lead. And I'll quickly wrap up with the story of the, the, the girl who I think I said earlier she emailed me. She DM'd me on Instagram. But... She messaged me. She's in New York City. She's working as an intern, and she messaged me and said, I'm working at this internship, but there's a lot of red flags. I said, okay, what are the red flags? (laughs) 
And she said, well, you know, I thought I was going to be doing like design and, and whatnot. And they're having me do like a lot of schleppy sales type of stuff. And I said, okay, well, why are those red flags? And what do you think you should do about it? And I really just threw questions back at her. I made her figure this out for herself, which I think is something everybody should try to do. And she... It's part of a good support network. Yeah. And she thought on it for a couple days and she came back to me and she said, you know what, actually... I think that I should stick it out because I'm learning a lot about the sales process and how this whole part of the industry works. And as much as it's not exactly what I want to do, it's a great opportunity. I'm meeting people. And I was like, brilliant. I love your answer for so many reasons. Now, it shows a really good attitude, too. It's a really good attitude. I'm not saying you stick out every job that's not ideal. Sometimes a job is truly a bad job. So there's a fine line, and you have to figure that out for yourself with each with each individual situation. But for her, she was like, it was my first thing in the industry. Um, I think she's even still in school. I forget the details, but I think there's something to be said for, can I look at this as a stepping stone, as a learning opportunity that can lead to the next thing, rather than wait for the perfect thing that's probably never going to happen because it takes many steps to find the air yeah. quotes perfect I thing. also think it's important to just point out in that situation, and I, I know this experience has happened to probably everyone in their life. Like That was her first job, her first internship, and you have a, in your mind, you have an idea of what you should be doing. Yeah. Like you have this like air quote fashion designer, in this case, of what you should be doing. And, and we've talked about that before, but... If you get this internship and if you're adjacent, at least adjacent to what you think you should be doing, and you're working with people that don't suck, you should probably stick it out, especially early on, because your conceptions, it's a fair bet to say you're wrong. Well, that and there's so much value in the people that you're going to meet. Oh, yeah. The relationships I wasn't even going to go build. there. And beyond that, the opportunity to discover a segment, a sector, a job role. Maybe like sales or merchandising. Didn't more than know existed that you're like, wow, this could open up a whole new opportunity. Um, you made you made a lot of contracts and work and money doing what leisure wear, right? Athleisure wear. I forget yeah, what the category is. More or less. You can yeah, say that, yeah, and like, if I told you that's where you were going, you know, five years earlier, you would have been like, what? Yeah. Golf and athleisure and, like, lifestyle. Yeah, and I would have been like, I'm sorry, what? No. So, <laughs> you know, episode 100, thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, bottom line, everything leads to something, but you have to do, you've got to do a thing. Can be the wrong thing, can be the right thing. You don't ever know sometimes until you're through it or halfway through it. Right. But whether you're pursuing your own brand some type of career or career growth or freelancing or whatever it is within fashion, just do something. And learn from it too. And learn from it's it. It's not just do it. Learn from it. Yeah. Take away some experience. Yeah. So so thanks for joining us for episode 100. We're very excited to have made it this far. Thank you, husband, so Mark. Oh, you're so welcome. Okay, let's not kill that. <laughs> You'll probably hear my voice again at... Another celebratory episode or, yeah. or something along those lines. But yeah. it's good to talk to you and everybody again. Yeah. Um, if you want more backstory for episode 50, 
we did a fun interview where Mark actually like genuinely interviewed me, like asking me questions. It's out on the um, back porch. It's a little bit more specifically about my career as a designer. So you can check out episode 50 if yeah. you if you like this st- sort of style. Yep. And uh, Otherwise, next... I just edit these things together <laughs> for you. <laughs> and next episode, we'll be back to a regular standard interview uh, format. So thanks so much for listening. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye.